Let's pray. Lord, we worship you today, God. We glorify your holy name. God, we, we sing hallelujah, 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 God. Java, God, we, we come before you to offer you our worship because we have nothing else to offer you, Lord. We come before you, God, just like we are, Lord, before you, asking you, God, that, Lord, you may touch us, O oh God, and that we may be well, Lord. God, we come here from different places, different things, O oh God. But I pray, Lord, that Jehovah God, you may quiet all that noise, O oh Lord, and speak to us, O oh Lord. These words you have, God, there, I have on the, on, uh, I have, Lord, they're just words, Lord, if you don't breathe life to them, O oh God. So I pray that you may breathe your life into them, O oh God. Let this word go and separate the truth from lies, O oh God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may move me out of the way, God, and speak to your people, myself included, Lord. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing with uh, Matthew 6, Matthew, and we're going to be ending Matthew 16 today. And my title today is My Prison Song. So let's go. Let's Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whatever, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in, a, in, in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say unto you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. And that last part, he's talking about transfiguration, and we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. So let's recap on last week. Last week, we, Pastor Matt preached, and if you haven't heard that message, go back and preach. He talked about um, how Jesus finally, he told the disciples that he's going to die. All along, he hadn't been clear saying, I'm going to be crucified. But last week, he told them that. And the thing you can see, too, is I love that the Bible is very clear on the things like that because we saw Peter's reaction, right? And we talked about that because that's the reaction. And so what are, what, where are the disciples? The disciples have been following Christ. They have seen miracles. They have heard his teaching, and they have seen so much more. They have seen the opposition that Jesus is facing. The more he speaks the truth, the more he's hated. The more he creates enemies as he moves around. They are following somebody who did not have a retirement plan. Right? So let's, let's, and I, I like to read the Bible in a sense of putting my, myself in their shoes. So we've seen miracles. They left everything they had. They left all the things that they had. They're like, follow me, and they leave all that, right? So to them, they're assuming that, hey, I'm following somebody who has a great plan, right? Because when we follow people, we follow somebody who has a plan. I've never seen somebody say, hey, man, I have no plan, but, you know, do follow. Leave everything. Leave the plans that you have. Come and follow me. He's telling them, hey, follow me. And they're following somebody they hope that has a great plan, right? And at this point, last week, he tells them, oh, just for the record, even though you guys are following me, guess what? I'm going to die. Okay. All right. That's great, right? And then, 
He tells them, I love what the Bible says, like they're looking at him. And if, actually, if you look at Matthew 18, 21, Jesus did not even have a place to sleep. He says it clearly. One of the scribes asked him, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds have air in the nest. But the son of man has nowhere to go. Right? And so now he adds a statement. So he's already talked about how he's going to die, but now he adds a different statement. He says in Matthew 6, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciples, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up the cross and follow me. Cleave unto me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. This was a huge request. He's already told them that he's going to die, right? And now he's telling them, now guess what? I've already told you I'm going to die, but I need you guys to now follow me. And if you have to follow me, not only are you going to forget all those things, but I want you guys to even be ready to die. I'm like, for reals? Right? Because we read the Bible like, oh, let me just, you know, we continue and we don't look at these people. They did not know, like you and I know the end of the Bible. They did not know that that was coming. They did not know that, the, that there was going to be redemption at the end. At this point, he's just telling them that, hey, I'm going to die. And if you guys want to follow me, I really need you to leave everything and be ready to die. I'm like, no, sir, I'm good. I'm just going to go back. Right? And just as they were about to process this statement, Jesus throws another statement. I'm like, Jesus, please. Like, that's enough, right? I can't handle it too much, right? Matthew 6.25, for whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it. They will lose eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here on earth, for my sake will find it life everlasting. All right. Let me recap for you. You guys been following me. You think I'm going to create this kingdom. I'm going to die. Okay. Okay, Jesus, you can die. I, you know, hey, Peter got into that. It's okay, you can die. But now he's telling them, if you follow me, you have to be willing to die. Okay, Jesus, I hear that. Okay, you have to be willing to die. And then he goes, you have to carry the cross. And now he's telling them, and just for the record, because you've already heard this, there is no changing your mind. If you don't follow me, you're still going to die, and your death will be even worse than what I'm telling you right now. Come on, Pastor. I was like, okay, Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, what's going on, right? And then, again, I want, you to rem- I want to remind you something, that the disciples did not know the end of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. And like you who knows the end, how Jesus came and redeemed us. And this is why the Bible talks about faith, because faith is the only thing that can allow these disciples to follow Christ. Faith at work. Not just the faith that we just read the Bible and we agree that that could happen, but this is faith that really does work. And Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's get into our text. That was just introduction. Are you guys with me? You guys are more awake than first service, so I praise God for that, right? I'm used to preaching on Wednesday when everybody's alert and awake, right? This morning was brutal, but you know, (laughs) I'm like, it's okay. It's not me. It's just, you know, we just woke up, right? All right. My first point is this. Following Jesus is costly. 
So like we just said, in this case, the disciples have abandoned their plans. Their day-to-day lives have changed. They, have, they, they, they leave everything behind. They left their friends. They left their dreams. They left their goals, right? And now they are following Christ. They already know this now. They know the call. There is no way they can ignore it. They cannot claim ignorance. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's what happened with, uh, with hold on, something is bothering me. <laughs> we all have issues. Okay. <laughs> and that's why, you know, it's in, in, when you think about it, when we come out here and we are given the word of God, the Bible says that we're going to be judged on what we know. There is no way you can ignore what you've already learned. And like in this case, the disciples wouldn't have said, you know what, Jesus, I am good. I'm going to go back. I'm going to forget everything you said. And my life is going to continue as I never found you and I never followed you. Because anytime you meet Jesus, there is a transformation, whether it's a positive or negative. And it's a choice for us to do. And it says, if anybody desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Everybody knew what Jesus meant when he said this. Take up the cross and follow me. Everybody knew that the cross was an relenting instrument of death. The cross had no other purpose. That was the cross. The cross wasn't about religious ceremony. It wasn't about tradition. It wasn't about spiritual feeling. The the cross was about the way to execute people. It was where the worst of the worst were punished to death. A shaming place for the offenders. I love the commentator. He says, in this 20th century after Jesus, we have done a pretty good job of sanitizing and ritualizing the cross. Jesus says something much like this. Walk down death row daily and follow me. Take up the cross because this is not a journey. It's a one-way trip. There's no returning ticket. It was never a round trip. But we take the cross as just a casual thing. Yeah. We put it in our bumper sticker. We put it in our houses. Good. We pray, yeah, the cross, it's a symbolic. But the people, when Jesus was talking about the cross and telling them that you guys have to leave everything and bear the cross, they are saying, you signing up for death no matter what happens. Yeah. It's like me telling you just being here at church today, that yes, you are going to get the electric chair. And if they are kind, they might send you to the firing squad so you die faster, right? The cross wasn't what it's been made. We've made the cross so common, just so common. Yet Jesus, when he's saying these words, he's saying with his heart, like, listen, I'm not trying to trick you into just thinking that you're going somewhere or something that is not, right? You guys have met those people that tell you that, Come on, let's hang out, buy you coffee. But then at the end, there is ulterior motives, right? (laughs) He's not doing none of that. He's saying specifically, he's saying, listen, I'm going to lay out what it costs you because the cross has a cost. Following Jesus has a cost. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And that aspect there is super important because if really, if you face anything in your life, if you're going through anything else and you get to a point where, let's say, your mind is taking you where it's, supposed to, it's not supposed to take you, where you're going and you find, your place in your, in a, you find yourself in a place you're not supposed to be, and you just say this verse, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And you know the life you live is no longer yours. Your thought changes. Your mind changes. Your behavior changes. The way you do things changes. The way you relate to people changes. The things that you desire changes. Because it's no longer you, but Christ who lives in you. See, I was thinking about this, and Jesus said, every time Jesus would walk, he'd say, follow me, and people would just leave, right? But guess what? In our century right now, the idea of following has been tainted. And if you look at this, this, this Bible verse we are reading today and think about following, you see the difference. Because Facebook and Instagram have changed the way we follow people. I always think it's very interesting if we went back to life, if one of the disciples went back to, you know, came to life and you're sitting there with them like, hey man, let me tell you something, man. I have 4,280 followers on Facebook and I have 5,000 on Instagram. And he's like, Wow, that's a big following. You must be telling them the truth. There must be something great you're telling them. Can you tell me how you got these people? Oh, they just clicked a button. What? Because for them, when Jesus was walking and said, follow me, they had a choice at that moment. It wasn't just like scroll, scroll. Oh, I like the, the, the memes. Like, it wasn't like, oh, let me scroll, scroll. I see something video I like. Oh, this guy looks like funny, right? Let me see. It was, hey, you lose your family. You lose your life. You lose everything you have, but you get Jesus. That's it. It was that simple. Taking up the cross and following Jesus is an active thing. Because yeah. I know how it is with us. It's like we, with Instagram, Facebook, and all those things. I like you, and I like that one video, and I follow you, but I will never look at your things now. It's like until you post something that's amazing through there. But following Jesus is not like that. And that's why it's super important, especially for the young people, to know that there is a cost of following who you're following. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of following. It's not just... Just following for the sake of it. Jesus is requiring something for us, from us. He says, put, put this cross on your back. Go the, walk the narrow road and expect great opposition unto death. Luke 9, 20, 23 says, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take his, this cross and follow me. This is a different kind. This is a kind of different following. You don't just sit and watch other people live their life while yours is going to waste. There is a cost of following somebody. And I was talking about this first service. You think about it when you think even on Instagram, because Instagram or Facebook, I'm, I like them. They, there is life, whatever. That's what we do. But when you think about it, the people that you're following influence you. Whether you like it or you don't. And the people that are following you influence you as well. Yet we're going to be accountable to every word and everything that we do. So if I've been following you and you are leading me astray, guess what? You're accountable to that. And if somebody is following me and I'm leading them the wrong place, guess what? I'm accountable to that. So there is a cost of following no matter who you follow. 
But when you choose to follow Jesus, there is only one you can afford to follow. He is demanding. The Bible says that he's a generous God. He's the only one God. And so guess what? When you choose to follow God, you cannot be influenced by anybody else, no matter what happened. And this is why it comes about denying yourself and dying to yourself, because you are done. You just follow Christ. So if you're following anybody apart from Christ, then you really are not following Christ, because he is a generous God. So before you hit the uh, follow Jesus button, be sure you know what you're signing up for. You're signing up for this worldly rejection. You're signing up for prosecution. You're signing up for people not liking you. You're signing up for not being invited to places. You're signing up for being different. You're signing up unto death. But guess what? When you do, your life will never be the same. Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man will come in his glory, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and them, and then he will reward each according to his works. And that's the beautiful thing. We're not just following Christ for the sake of following Christ. There is a reward. The person that created you, the one that created you, the one that has a plan before you are born, the one that knows exactly who you are, knows your heart, knows your desire, that same person is saying, guess what? I, if you follow me and you deny all this worldly stuff, I have something great for you at the end. Yes. If there was a time you guys would be excited, it would be right now. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys with me? Yes. You guys are totally like first service, second service, right, right, right about there. See, I was looking at my Facebook, and my Facebook reminder said that, you know, some of the friends, are, I've been friends with them for seven years. So we've been following each other for seven years. And as I read this text, I asked myself, if I really sat down with, out of, I think, whatever number I have on Facebook, each individual, and I sat down with them, they've been following me for seven years. You've been friends with me for seven years. What would they say? Have I been leading them towards me, or have I been leading them towards Christ? Right? And the same thing with me. The people that have been following me for seven years, are they following me, or are they following Christ? And when you think about it, if I compare that to three years of Christ, people following Christ for three years, he did his ministry for three years, and guess what? He changed the disciples' life, he changed everybody's life, and he changed our life. And so at that point, I was like, Man, who I follow matters a lot. Because if I'm following somebody who's not leading me towards Christ, then it will all be a waste. I thought about making the title for today's message, Follow and Die, Then Live Forever, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought you guys might be like, oh, well, we are living, so, you know. (laughs) But what I love about it is Jesus tells us up front what it costs to follow him. Follow me, and there's a real chance of death to your old self. Follow me, and there's a real chance of death to fear, to anger, to frustration, to bad habits, to secret sin, to addiction, to all these things that we are all trying to do. Because he says, my yoke is light. Come to me, lay all your burdens at the cross, and it's that simple. And that's why it's sad to see all these False love that's being preached everywhere. Oh, come to Jesus just like you are, which is true. Come like you are, but don't stay like you are. Let's get transformed. Let's get changed. 
Allow God to do something in your heart. Just identifying as a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. There is a cause, because guess what? If this was free, then guess what? Jesus would never have died on the cross. He would have been like, raise his hand, all the sins are wiped out. There would never have been a cause, so there was no expectation of a cause. But when Jesus is saying, I want you guys to follow me, he's saying unto death, and guess what? Jesus had already told them he's dying before he asked them if they could die for him. He went on the cross and showed it before he could ask us to deny ourselves. So he's showing by example, he's not just saying, hey, you die, and then I'll raise you, and it's going to be an amazing miracle. That's not God. That's why it costs something. It comes, this Christian walk comes with a cost. However, the benefits outweigh the cost. They are truly out of this world, right? Get it? All right, I'll let you guys sit on that later. That's fine. Here's my second point. Who are you following and who is following you? Who are you following and who is following you? I hear you guys saying, but Pastor Mogi, listen, this was people with Jesus. Like, if I was hanging out with Jesus for three years, I would definitely die, right? Well, you guys are asking amazing questions this morning, so great job, right? (laughs) But I'm going to show you that it is possible even in our human nature. So we're going to look at the story of Paul and Silas, and if you've been going to, to church for more than a week or two, Paul and Silas were persecuted, they were put in jail, then they, they, uh, they worshipped, and the jail, the, the, the chains fell, and they were rebellious. So let's look, let's look, dig deeper a little bit. So Acts 16, 6. Then Paul and Silas traveled to the area of that name. You know, I really worked hard on, like, I looked at that like 10 times, I was like, I know this name, but now it's my mind, it can't come in. What is it? Parisia? Phrygia, Phrygia, that's it. That's, that's the right pronunciation. Phrygia, right? Okay. Nobody helped me for service. Thank you very much. Oh, you did. I just didn't hear you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. So, get this point. It says, because the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So, what's happening here? Paul gets a vision. And the vision tells him where he needs to go, which means that the Holy Spirit is leading him. He's directed to Macedonia, which, where they were there, they go to look for a place to worship. While they are there, they find a lady named Lydia, and they tell her about the gospel. And when they tell her about the gospel, Lydia gets saved and her whole household gets saved. And in my thinking as a human being, I'm thinking, well, Lord, this is exactly why you called me. You called me to come and save Lydia and her whole family because my work is done. Because remember, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was leading them there. So if it was just human nature, take credit for that. Like we came in, Lydia got saved, life goes on, everything goes well. But it doesn't stop there. They say that they, um, as they, and she got saved. And then Acts 16, 6, 18 says, One day, while they are still there, they were going down to a place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servant of the high God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. 
It's interesting that the demon even know about Christ. Right? This went day after day until Peter was expirated that he turned and said to the demon girl, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and instantly he left her. This did not go very well with the people of the city. The Bible says that the town was angry, right? And the city official ordered for them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Don't forget, they've been ordered by the Holy Spirit. They did not stop. They are carrying the burden. They are, they are crucifying their flesh, right? And they get to a point. And I love when we talk about the Bible because I read, sometimes you read the Bible just moving. It says, there is, the Bible doesn't waste words. It says they were beaten with wooden rods. And if you look at the end of uh, Acts 16, they'll talk about when the jailer brought them home, they literally nursed their wounds because their skins had been torn because how bad they have been beaten. So wait a minute. So the Holy Spirit stopped them from where they wanted to go and brought them to this place where it looked like he was doing really well with Lydia, but now the Holy Spirit is leading them to get beaten? At this point, that's where I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I, but Christ who lives with me. Because at that moment, to continue to go to where God is leading you, it requires faith, right? And it says... um, Acts 16, 23, 24, they were severely beaten, severely beaten. Then they were thrown in prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and crammed their feet, the stocks. Paul and Silas did not order themselves to this place. They were led by the Holy Spirit and were obedient, denying themselves and taking up the cross. And now they find themselves in jail, beaten, tied in chains, and bleeding. And what did they do? It's in Acts 16, 26. At around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymn to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner, the chains of every prisoner fell off. So God has ordered them here. They're getting beat up, they're bleeding. But in the midst of their pain, in the midst of one of the worst places you could be, they are worshiping and praying God. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. They had a response when they got to this point. They were prepared to suffer, and they knew how to overcome. They didn't blame God. They didn't have regrets. They didn't have maybes. They didn't have a bad attitude because they're singing. You can't sing with a bad attitude, right? They had no return but a song of worship to God in the midst of their suffering. They had a prison song. They had a prison song. This morning, I have a question for you, afternoon. This afternoon, I have a question for you. What is your prison song? Are you prepared with a prison song? And when you think about a prison song, if I am prepared with a prison song, it means that there is no return. It means that if I'm going through this journey, I'm okay unto suffering, unto death, that I'm preparing myself to the end, whatever happens. 
But sometimes we walk in this walk of Christ and we are like, yeah, we are going on. But Christ has already told us that we are going to suffer. Things are going to happen. A time will come when they will take you out in the courts and beat you and do all those things. Yet we do not prepare ourselves for times like those. What is your prison song this morning? Are you prepared with a prison song? See, you don't get to worship God in such a situation unless you've made a decree to crucify your flesh and carry the cross. The decision is not made. You're not in there. You're getting beaten. Everything is going, going crazy. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what is that song in my mind that I need to sing so I can continue to do this? Before, um, before this, even this title came to mind, about three, four weeks, I was worshiping and, and I was looking at the songs that come up here and from nowhere, it's like, that's a good prison song. No. I was like, oh, well, Lord, what are you saying? I, I, I am not ready to go to prison yet, okay? I, I hear, and I literally, I was like, you know, and there's more to it uh, about that God was showing me. And I was like, Lord, I, mm, no, it's, it's fine, right? And it's so funny, God has a sense of humor. He makes that. I don't, I don't make the titles. I pray, and God gives me the title. So he gave me that. And, and, and I was sitting, and so what has happened in the last three weeks? Every time we do five songs, out of those five songs, literally I'll look at the words and I'll be like, that's a good prison song. That's a good prison song. Because I don't want it to be just my words. I want something that I, doesn't matter where I'm at. Doesn't matter whether it's a literal prison because that's coming. Or it's a life prison. Where you go home and bad news come. Where they say you are sick. They say these things are going on. You're losing your job. You're doing all these things that happen in our world. It doesn't matter what's happening. You have a song that says, no matter how bad it gets, I will still worship God. You don't get to worship God in such situations unless you've made a decree to crucify your flesh and to carry the cross. Having a reference of who God truly is. Believing his word and his ability to keep his promise to the end. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me, for me. I want you to have that just going in your mind. That's why I repeat it so many times. It's not a mistake. It's by default. So you guys can really eternalize. Think about those words. Because we say these words. I have said these words. But it's not until you shine a light on it and say, what are you saying? The disciples knew what they were saying. When they say, I've been crucified, they know exactly what, I, what that means. The other beautiful thing about this is Paul and Silas were together. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10 says, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him. The question for you, like we're talking about following, is the people you are following today are people who would start a prison song with you if you guys are in the dungeon? Are they people who, when you're going through something, that they're not putting foil on what you're going so it can be so, oh my goodness, let me tell you, I feel the same way. I can't wait for you to finish how bad your life is so I can tell you about how bad my life is. 
Or are they people who are like, you know what, brother, I understand that. What does the word say? I have a song in my heart. During my difficult time, this is a song that comes in my heart. During this one time when I was going through this, I sang unto the Lord. And let me tell you, the first two verses didn't come all right because I was crying and I was weeping. But on the third one, I knew that the Lord was there. Did he redeem you? He's still working on it. But I'll still worship him. Right? Those are the people you're following. What about the people that are following you? Would they cling on to you to help them with a song? Do you have a song for you and a song for your friend to be able to encourage them so you guys can sing? Paul and Silas, they both sang together. So we're going to watch who we are following. Who are you following and who is following you? Are you guys with me? That's way better than first service. I love first service, if you guys are here from first service too. (laughs) The good news. Here's my third point. The good news. Anybody want to hear good news? So Matthew 16, 26 says for, uh, uh, Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life, his blessed life in the kingdom of God? Or what will a man give in exchange for his blessed life in the kingdom of God? See, this sacrifice, this sacrifice of dying to selves, come with a great reward. That Jesus is comparing this. He's saying, listen, these are the words of Jesus, so pay attention. Not my words, but his words. He's saying, what does it benefit to gain the whole world? Think about what that means. Gaining the whole world means that you have everything. It means you can do anything. You can go anywhere. You got it all. Like your life is super full. You have all the things we work hard for. Just like that. New house, new car, travel, do whatever. Whatever you want. Everything in the world. But he's saying all that, he would not forfeit it for what God has for us. And that's the beautiful, most beautiful news. To know that in our mind, you know, of course, if you buy a new car, you buy a new house, you get all these things, you travel, you do. These are the things that we cherish. We love these things, right? And it would be nice to do it every week, right? Maybe. I don't know. It's a whole new story for another day. But he's saying all those things, no matter how grand they are, that it doesn't compare to what Christ has in store for us. And he's like almost asking that question like, really? Why would they forfeit their life for what I have for them? The creator of the universe the one that just amazingly above anything we can ever think or imagine. My wife and the kids, we were talking about this morning, we were driving, and uh, she was reading something about Revelation. And I, I love what she said because um, she said, we cannot fully fathom the world that we, God has created for us. A world with no tears. A world with no pain. A world with no labor. A world where friends don't deny you or or frustrate you. A world where the boss doesn't fire you. A world where you don't have to deal with bills. We cannot fathom that fullness. We can have an idea of what that looks like, but we can't really fathom that. And that's the world God is telling us. He's saying that if you're willing to mess this up in the sense of what people like, and you're willing to try God and walk with God, He's going to give you above, beyond anything you can ever think or imagine. This sacrifice comes with a great reward. 
What will one give in exchange for his soul? What are you willing to keep today to acquire in lieu of spending eternity with Christ? What are you willing to give up? Is it your family? Are you going to keep them and then you never actually go to heaven? Is it the things you have? And my answer is a resounding nothing, Lord. Nothing. I take it all, Lord. Take it all. Take it all and give me Jesus. We sing that song. That's a good prison song, right? When you're behind the bars and you're like, yeah, man, take it all. And everybody is singing and the guards are like, these people are crazy. They're in prison. They have nothing. But they're saying, take it all. Take my freedom. Take everything I have. Just give me Jesus. The disciples were not willing to save their own lives. Even when they did not know what the next thing in their life was going to be. Like I said earlier, you and I know about how the Bible ends. Jesus is telling them all these things and they have no idea what the next thing is going to happen. How much more are we ready to be able to say, yes, Lord, come into my life. Guide me, show me the way, because I already know how the Bible ends. Today we are in a way better position. And your decision should be easy. Yes, Lord, take it all. You already know. God will come back for those who have given their lives to him. And him will come reward. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory, majesty and splendor, and his Father with his angels. And then he will render accounts and reward every man in accordance with what he has done. He's going to give us reward to the sacrifice that we've done. Angie. And so today, as we close, I want you to think about that. How much cost have you put on the cross? Do you understand what the cross has done for you? Are you willing to carry that cross? Are you willing to deny yourself and carry the cross? I'm going to ask you to bow down. See, it's easy to just do the motions, come to church, follow Christ, check the box. But it's different when you put yourself in the, in the disciples' shoes. It wasn't just a call to just follow. And I'm sure there were some who followed and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't keep up because we were following for the wrong reason. That's why we only have the many who are written in the Bibles and we don't hear about the others. Let that not be you today. Let that not be you. Let you know that the cross is significant in our lives. Let us ask God to give us a prison song, a freedom song, a song that I know that no matter what happened, no matter what I face, that God, your promises are yes and amen. And I truly believe that what you said you're going to do, you've done it because you've already done it before. Let that be loud. Such my heart, God. And Father, if I have a song, Father, affirm it even more so. Give me more, Lord. Let me know the words. And if you don't have a song and you're scared, yes, tell the Lord, Lord, help me to overcome my fear and my unbelief. And he will. It all starts with a very simple step. And that's giving your heart to Christ. So if today you're here or online 
and you haven't given your life to Christ. The Bible says you have to be saved to see God. It's only through Christ that you can see God. And so if that's you, and you want to be included in the prayer at the end of service, submitting your heart to Christ, I want to ask you to raise your hand and I can pray with you. And if you're online, and you make that decision, raise your hand too. God sees your heart. God sees your hand. And also, if you are here and you had a prison song, you love Christ and one thing and one thing led to another, not a bad week, not a bad month, but you just fell away from Christ. And you used to have a song in your heart and you are ready to submit to Christ. But today as this message went forth, it, it found lacking. Go ahead and slip your hand as well and we'll pray for you. And if you're online, go ahead and do the same thing. Because our God is a merciful God. And for the rest of us, I pray that we have a song in our heart. I pray that when you come here and worship, when you look at the, the songs that are passing by, that we take those words and they become our freedom songs, our prison songs, knowing that Christ He's going to do what he says he's going to do. Lord, we worship you today. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you, God, because we know, Lord, that all these promises are yes and amen, God. You already set an example by dying on the cross, God. So you are not asking us to do something that you haven't done before, Lord. But I thank you, God, because you've shown us the end, Lord. Glorious end, oh God. That you fight for us, oh God that you win for us, that we get victory in the mighty name of Jesus. And so, Father, as we go out, Lord, we are not going as sheep that don't have a shepherd, oh God, but we are going out as sheep that have a king that's overlooking on them, oh God. That you have a God, you will keep us, you will watch us, you will bless us, oh God. You will hear us when we call upon your name, oh God, and you have a God who will not be the same. I pray over this word, Father, that the enemy does not steal it in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray a covering over it, God. I pray that it goes beyond today, God. That Jehovah God, we know that we've been crucified with you, mighty King of glory, God. We love you and we adore you. In Jesus' mighty name. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.